Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. The Source and the Summit You've probably heard these words before to describe the core of our Catholic faith, but what does it actually mean? Today, Andrew shares about his revelation on how the Eucharist can be mapped as a parallel to the journey that is our interior life. We dive into what it truly means to receive Jesus' body and blood through the Eucharist. There are some important things to hold in your heart whenever you find yourself in front of the Eucharist, and we hope this episode helps as a reminder of that. So it has been a crazy few weeks for me. I have been working a lot of late hours and I am tired if you can't hear it in my voice. <laughs> but uh, I just thought it would be good because we haven't done this in a while uh, for our listeners. What's up with you in the last few weeks? How have you been? We're coming out of Lent by the time this uh, episode is published. Uh, it will have been Easter Sunday. So Jesus has risen, although a little prematurely for both Andrew and me. But um, <laughs> we're doing some time time hopping. Anyway, how are you, Andrew? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I've also been working quite a bit recently. Um, just because uh, for my line of work, we've had a release. Um, and uh, that has been a little bit taxing too. But between that and like, um, you know, starting to really feel the impetus for wedding planning, uh, given that I'm only a few months out now, Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a fair share of things to think about to do, um, but sorry, pixels uh, on my desk. That's okay. I was gonna say, like, uh, our friend, like your groomsmen chat. We we all got a we all got a message from you last week, just saying like, hey guys, we need to get on top of like this, this, and this. We need to go like fit it, go fit our suits and everything. I was like, oh, I guess you're starting to feel the wedding prep stuff. It was it was less of me feeling the wedding prep stuff and more of uh, <laughs> just being told that I need to be on a different schedule than like what I'm normally doing. Because <laughs> uh, like for those of you who know me, I, I tend to be very lax. Um, if you don't know me, I tend to be very lax. Um, so so it was like your schedule isn't working for both of us, and I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so a week from now, you, we are all going to find suits that fit us. That's right. Yeah, I already, I actually already chose the fabrics for us. Um, so that it's just going to be a day of us uh, getting fitted. For, have you ever been measured for a custom suit before? Uh, no, no, I have not. Yeah, so it's a, it's a fun experience. Um, and then like they're they're even these guys are great. I'm not going to plug them because we're not sponsored. But yeah, um, but. No, they're even gonna refit my my existing suit from them. I see. Um, Very for nice. Free, so, I mean, for free, like for the cost of six suits. But <laughs> the reason why I paused just now was because I've been to that store, um, oh. but it was only just to help my friend who was getting married and watch him get custom fitted and everything. True. But I myself did not get custom fitted. But I guess I'll go through that experience next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that I have a new background. So in terms of what's new for oh, yeah. me. I, uh, I have moved into my condo, my new condo. It's been, I've been here for like three weeks now, I guess, um, full time. 
And yeah, uh, I did notice that the audio is a bit echo, more echoey. So hopefully that's not too distracting or anything, but it is what it is. I'm not in my well-carpeted bedroom anymore uh, back at home, but it has been an adjustment. Um, I mean, I've been lucky just because I don't, I haven't had to uh, cook for myself really, uh, which mm-hmm. is a whole other adjustment in and of itself. But uh, because my parents are still living like five minutes away for the time being, I'm pretty yeah. much going home like every single day, um, more or less for, for dinner. And then they're cooking me leftovers for lunch. So that's nice. been easy for me. Yeah. Um, all right. So now that we're all caught up, let's just jump into today's episode because I haven't even thought of a corny segue. Um, <laughs> so let's just get into it. And so last episode, we talked about the interior life. Uh, we talked yeah. about the importance of having an interior life and, and practicing that. And what it means, uh, just because, you know, it is one of the core tenets of our of our faith, of our um, relationship with, with God and how, how to keep that up. I think this time we want to uh, hone into one particular part of that, maybe, where um, we, we talk about this is truly the core of our faith, right? I, I think last last episode, I, I kind of had to catch myself, if you, if you listen closely, because I said that the interior life is the core um, of, our, of our faith life as Catholics. But then I was like, eh, it's actually just one of the core parts. But this time it is the core part, and it is the Eucharist. It is, um, how, does, how does the Eucharist, or what, what place does it take within the context of the interior life, right? And so, Andrew, why don't you uh, walk us through that a bit? Yeah, and I think even like on that that piece that you just talked about where, you know, it's like these are two parts. I don't think we need to necessarily even separate them because what we're going to talk about a little bit today is how really these are two aspects of the same thing um, at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. when we took a look at the interior life, when we were talking about that last episode, really what we we're talking about is how we form ourselves into images of Christ, right? And what that journey looks like, um, which really can be seen as the entirety of the Christian journey at the end of the day. And then... We look at the Eucharist, and uh, some of you may have heard before this this term, Source and Summit, um, which was coined in uh, the Second Vatican Council in the 60s, I think, um, when, um, when it was said that the Eucharist is the source and summit of all the good that comes from our faith. Um, so then what we're going to talk about today is how these two really relate to each other. So why is the Eucharist called the Source and Summit, and how does that play a role in us being formed into Christ's image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this in particular was a, um, a revelation that I had, um, last year at, uh, a rally that's for, I think like elementary school students, actually, I was there as a chaperone. Um, it was called the lift Jesus higher rally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been a couple times as a, as a teenager fun stuff okay. in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew nothing about this until I went, but, um, our, our good friend, actually father Eric Ma. Um, he was celebrating mass there. Um, and his homily was talking about how a lot of the faith in, in terms of living the faith in, in today's world, um, is recognizing the already, but the not yet. Um, and it was, it was interesting because it's like, uh, he was making examples of things like we're already redeemed, but we're not yet redeemed. Hmm. Right. So like Christ has saved us, but we are not yet saved in some senses. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And that kind of interesting tension there. Um, And so I started thinking about things like that. And and then I started realizing that, you know, this kind of also mirrors what's happening when we receive the Eucharist in that 
with what's happening in the Eucharist, the Eucharist is mapping that entirety of the interior life. So we already receive it, but we're not yet there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do I mean by that? When we look at the Eucharist, it is this piece of bread is what it is. It's this biscuit, this wafer um, that, that we have uh, before mass. You know, you can eat a million of them if you want. doesn't really make a difference. And then you go through mass and you have the preparation of the gifts, you have the consecration. And then now it is, uh, we believe, uh, it is transubstantiated into uh, Christ's body, right? Mm -hmm. So its form remains the same. So it still looks, tastes, and feels like that wafer, but the substance behind it is is something different it is christ it's it's that full image of christ Mm -hmm. and so if we if we think about that then in that instantaneous transformation that is the entirety of what we as christians are trying to do and what we're pursuing uh, in the interior life and, and in our christian journey we over time are going through that same transformation and so you know when we talk about the eucharist and how it can be actually mapped to the interior life take us step by step what that actually means yeah, so when we take a look at where we're at, right? So I think it's all of us, we're, it's really easy for us to look at ourselves as sinners, you know, um, to see that we are humans born on earth, you know, everything that uh, everything in our life seems to be very, you know, earthly in, in a lot of senses, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the imperfection. That's the, that's the, um, yeah, the uh, in the preparation of gifts when we talk when they talk about the bread when the priest talks about the fruit of the earth and work of human hands mm-hmm. right this is kind of it right um, it will become the bread of life that's kind of, that conversation is it right and so over time what happens is we become formed unto Christ by gifts from God by graces coming from God right mm-hmm. and this is a really key piece when we think about the interior life because the interior life. And growth in that life is not uh, something that's earned, right? It's not like if I take off enough boxes, I will move forward. It can't be earned. It can't be earned. It exactly. Be earned. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's received, and and things happen as 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 those gifts are received, right? Mm-hmm. So in that same way, the bread isn't doing anything of itself to become divine, but God wills that it becomes divine. So for us, this will be done in aspects of our life, bit by bit, for us to slowly be formed unto Christ. Whereas for this bread, all of that grace comes in at once, and it is an infinite amount of grace that's found in in the Eucharist. And so, like I said off the top of the episode, right? Like by the time this episode is released, you know, we'll have gone into the we'll, we'll have entered the Easter season for sure, and yeah. Lent will have passed. And I think that's a very timely reflection of. Um, you know, not totally, totally uh, relevant to the Eucharist specifically, but the reflection of um, how Jesus has died, right? Uh, We've just come out of Good Friday and um, Jesus put himself on the cross. God lowered himself to take on the flesh of humanity humbly. And, you know, we we can't take that for granted that, um, you know, he doesn't have to do that. He is God. He is someone who doesn't need to walk in our shoes or mm-hmm. or within our flesh. But he didn't just do that. Um, he came down and put himself on the cross and went through torture, went through suffering and died ultimately to save us from our sins. Yeah. And as part of that, right, as part of that, he has offered up his body as the sacrificial lamb. When in all of history before that, there was no sacrificial lamb that would have been good enough um, to 
to ultimately make up and atone for all of our sins. Only yeah. Jesus, only Jesus was the lamb uh, that that could accomplish that. And so, you know, we remember that, you know, he has offered up his body and he's done it in the form of uh, a very simple, very humble, unleavened bread. Uh, that is the wafer that you keep referring to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's all these things, right? These are all in parallel. And, and it's really, really crucial um, for us to kind of realize that these aren't different things that we're talking about. They're all the same thing we're talking about in different aspects, right? When you talk about, um, when you talk about uh, Christ, you know, lowering himself to our humanity to, to suffer, right? Again, that's the same thing. If you If we look at the unleavened bread, that's, no no more worthy of Christ's divinity than we are as well, right? So mm-hmm. in the same way, right, Christ is lowering himself in some senses to that bread in order that we can receive that same miracle of something from the earth being made divine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these, are, these are such crucial pieces for us to kind of realize and think about because now it starts to map more and more and make more and more sense as to like, why is it important that I receive the Eucharist? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is me kind of bringing onto myself those graces that, that, that are coming in. I was, I was watching an interesting video last night. Um, it was from, I can't remember. Oh my goodness. Um, just last Francis- night. There was that Franciscan, um, who has some YouTube videos. Um, was this on Ascension Presents or? No, no. Okay. Um, He's a really, he's a pretty fun guy. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Uh, one second, I can find it. Um, <laughs> but while you're doing is, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, while you're doing that, it's um, it's it's interesting to reflect just from a personal perspective. Like, I think the relationship that I have with Christ, um, it, I'm blessed enough to say that. Like, I think I shared this actually in one of our very very early episodes. Um, I. I it feels like I have a particular affinity for the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whenever I miss out on the opportunity to receive communion, whether it's because of COVID, uh, which is what we're going through right now, literally this weekend, um, I, I'm not able to go to any of the um, Easter masses because of COVID or third yeah. wave of COVID. Um, and I can't receive the communion in that way, whether it's because of that, whether it's because of, you know, uh, being in a state of mortal sin. Like it, it actually sucks. I, I yeah. genuinely feel it's almost like a spiritual depression. Nothing, yeah. nothing too strong or significant. But I like, I like that term actually that I just came up with on the spot. Pat on the back. <laughs> but um, yeah, this kind of like something is is truly missing within within my my whole, my heart, right? So yeah, uh, I don't know if you managed to find that video. I did, I did. Um, this is, uh, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, this video or this channel is called Breaking in the Habit, um, and it doesn't have his name handily here, which is fun, but um, this is a Franciscan friar, um, and he was talking particularly about confession, um, but this was kind of um, along the lines of, um, oh my goodness, why why did it, why did we come to this topic? Oh, okay, now I, I need to think of a it. second personal sharing to give you time to remember. No, I can't remember what we were talking about <laughs> right before this. Oh my goodness. What was uh, it? Oh, sacraments. Um, it was talking about sacraments in particular and how sacraments are a, a sure sign of something greater, right? It's a, it's, yeah. um, it's a um, physical sign of an invisible grace, right? Mm-hmm. Those are what the sacraments are. But in per- more to the point, it is the only time when we can be assured of God's grace. So like the difference between 
um, limiting God to only give us grace in these moments to right. being sure that God gives us grace in these moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's something that's so crucial here because when we receive the Eucharist, right? I talked so much about the grace that's, that has to be there for the bread to become the body. Um, you know, we know that all that grace is there because that is taught by the church. And so when we receive that, we know we are receiving the grace required for the growth in the interior life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, can we receive the grace elsewhere? Absolutely, obviously we can, right? It just doesn't make sense to limit God in any way, but that's why it's so crucial because this is where we know, tried and true, we're going to be fed in the way we need to be fed to grow in the interior life. And and it's not just even a, a, an exercise of knowing, you know, tried and true or whatever. It's it's what Jesus himself taught, right? Yeah. Um, Jesus himself taught that, you know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he also taught that, you know, in order to get this life, to enter the kingdom of heaven, um, we have to eat his flesh and drink yeah. his blood, right? Do you have that passage? I do, just, I do, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know we had so mes- mentioned is- it. Yeah, so this is from um, this is from the Gospel of John. So John chapter six, uh, verse fifty one to fifty three. Basically, um, he talks a little bit about you know the eternal life and the inheritance of the eternal life before that. But this is where he really gets to the crux of it. He says, uh, "I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the entire for the life of the world." Then the Jews started arguing among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I don't want to go into it too much because I think we actually did a part of a podcast episode, if not an entire episode, on this earlier on. And if we were good podcast hosts, we would remind you which episode exactly it was. But (laughs) neither of us remember. We just remember that we did talk about it. But I think it's very relevant to our discussion, right? Just in terms of, as a reminder, this is actually Jesus teaching us to, you know, we're not symbolically eating his flesh. We're not, um, you know, this isn't just some kind of representation. This is him teaching us that um, a core part, the core part of your faith is going to Mass regularly on Sunday for worship, and as part of that, receiving Jesus himself in the flesh through the consecrated um, bread and wine. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and th- there's a lot of really beautiful you know, theology there as well, right? obviously, but um, one of the things that really strikes me is, is particularly what you're talking about with the sacrifices, right? So um, being Good Friday yesterday, there's a lot of talk about sacrifice and why, why is Good Friday so important? Um, and you know, it was a really good point that was brought up in one of somewhere that I listened to, um, (laughs) that was saying before that time, um, the, the priesthood all throughout the Jewish tradition, um, had been giving sacrifices, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there would, there would be sacrifices of, you know, bulls and, and lambs, right. Um, to, for the slaughter, um, for the forgiveness of sins. But it was, we will sacrifice these in hopes that God will forgive sins. Mm-hmm. It was not, we have sacrificed these so sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the big difference. Um, and then we get to Jesus. And, and when he sacrifices himself, he is the sacrifice with the authority that forgives sins. Right? And, and, and the really crucial piece when we think about the Eucharist is to think about, well, this is one sacrifice. Right? So then, if we are commemorating the sacrifice you know week after week then 
it's like, okay, then it might just be a symbol, but we're not. We're participating in that sacrifice week after week. And what that has to mean, if there's only one sacrifice and we're participating in that salvation story kind of moment, is that we are all, as Catholics, every time we go to Mass, witnessing the same moment in time, yeah. that same sacrifice of Christ 2,000 years ago. Right? Exactly. So I think that's a really, really beautiful piece, too, that like at, every time we go to Mass, we are there with every Christian in the history, past, present, future of the Church, all there at the same moment. I don't think that's something, that's another one of those underrated things that we don't often remember, right? Like, it's like, oh, we're, we're at mass and, you know, it's, it's 10 a.m. on a Sunday and yeah. I'm in a church full of like 200 people and we're all at mass together and I'm here with my friends and family, whatever. But no, it's, it's not just that. It's, we're at mass celebrating, um, celebrating mass with, or participating, participating in the celebration of mass with, um, all the people around the world and not just even that like like you said it's in the in the history like we're all kind of at the very same time participating in the celebration of this mass and so i think that's something that we need to remind ourselves of um if you want to read i've been following up uh, sorry i've been following the uh, bible in a year podcast with father mike although the last two weeks i've been uh, off the rails with that but anyway um <laughs> So for for several days, uh, he reads through the book of Leviticus. Um, and so if you read through the book of Levit Leviticus, obviously you don't need to listen to the Father Mike podcast. Um, but if you read through the book of Leviticus, you will learn all about the sacrifices that Andrew was talking about, where all these priests, all these Levites um, offer up these different sacrifices again, in the hopes of forgiveness from God. And, you know, if you commit this particular wrong, you have to offer up this particular sacrifice. Um, another particular wrong um, demands another kind of sacrifice kind of thing. Or if you aren't, you know, if you don't have the requisite sacrifices, then you have to offer up what you can give kind of thing. All these different um, types of sacrifice that are really just uh, washed away when Jesus enters the picture, when God himself enters the picture and, you know, his sacrifice is ultimately the one that actually does the thing and and redeems all of us yeah yeah yeah, totally um i, I love that you bring up leviticus too leviticus being the book full of rules right um but <laughs> it's uh it, it's it's really good to kind of keep in mind here that um what christ does is he renews and creates a new covenant right mm -hmm. exactly kind of what you're saying there um but it's it's just there's, there's so many beautiful things to dive into here. Um, you know, even when he talks about I am the bread of life and how that, um, you know, how critical it was that he talks about it in a way that says, eat my flesh, where, you know, blood was the symbol of life, right? That That's sim symbolically blood was life in, in the Jewish tradition. Again, that's why whenever they ate, you know, they would drain the blood from, from every creature because mm -hmm. blood is, or life is God's domain, right? We can't touch that. So then to say, I am the bread of life, eat my flesh. It's like, okay, like not only eat flesh while there's blood still there, while life is still there, but of a human being too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like there, there's so much there that, um, you know, is really striking, really striking imagery where it's like, you know, if we really, if we really dive into not just the, um, not just like, I guess the, the, um, uh, the tacit like terminology and just be like, oh, like I grew up with this my whole life. But like, if we really think about like, 
um, the the Greek word there, which I can't remember, but um, the Greek word in that same passage that we, we just read from John, it says, unless you like gnaw my flesh, right? Yeah. Um, I, so I'm... I think it's foggy, but like no, I don't foggy actually... is foggy is the is the normal one. Okay, okay, okay. It's eat, and then the the I, I that one I recognize. Yeah. Anyways, um, but but yeah, so then so it's just like the imagery here is just it's not like it's not for the for for the weak of heart, mm-hmm. you know, um, that that Jesus calls us to here. It's tough stuff to swallow. Yeah, yeah, but was that a pun? I like no. very well done. If so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I was gonna say was, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, again, we've already gone into this passage, and, but you know, a couple times on this podcast in previous episodes, we've messi- uh, sorry, we've mentioned uh, tough teachings, difficult teachings, and this is one of those difficult teachings that uh, the disciples of Jesus, some of them just couldn't wrap their heads around, and, and they left. Um, and I think it's important that you mention. Uh, the kind of the weightiness of, of this particular teaching because it reinforces a couple things, right? It reinforces um, the necessity of what we started this episode with, of making sure that we um, receive the Eucharist, but also understand what it is that the Eucharist is, what it means for our interior life, for um, our salvation, really, yeah. and and how you know, without the Eucharist, there's no way to heaven. Yeah. Uh, I think it reinforces that particular point because, again, we need to have it. The second thing that I think it reinforces is um, being in a state of grave sin, right? And having to understand that this isn't just a thin wafer of bread, and this isn't just something that Jesus is present in and, you know, he's just giving himself to us freely and, you know, that's it. Um, it's understanding that this is God himself and that we need to take that very, very seriously. And so if we are in a state of sin, um, it is on us to show kind of the respect the and, and venerate almost. I don't think that's even strong enough. Um, and if you have a better word, please throw it in. But... <laughs> understand that we need to uh, refrain from receiving the Eucharist, from receiving God within ourselves because of the state that we're in. And, you know, I don't don't want to go down that hole to like, you know, as we reach the end of this episode to end on a a sad or depressing note or anything, but it's more so a recognition of the fact that this is God himself and we need to uh, take care with how we receive the Eucharist um uh, as part of our own uh, as part of recognizing our own sinfulness yeah it's uh it's really key here right uh saint paul actually directly talks about this point uh in his first letter to the corinthians um but you know when we start to when we recognize more and more kind of the criticality of of the eucharist uh, and what it does for us right i think it's really it's really great that you point out it's understanding what it's doing for us and kind of seeing that whole picture um, because I was having an interesting conversation with a couple friends recently, and you know, it I think like a lot of our generation of Catholics, um, what we struggle with is the point of believing for the sake of believing, mm. um, and and you know what, like, and I don't want to dive too far into this either, but um, it's really that's not it, right? It's not 
the point isn't that you believe. The point is what it does for you. The point mm-hmm. is where you're going, right? Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's the Eucharist is a source and summit because it is the surest way to grow in the interior life, which is us forming ourselves or being formed into God's image, right? And so, like, these are all why this is so important, not just because it's true, but because of what it does. And so when we think about that, and then we think about what happens if we don't properly con- uh, consider it, I mean, uh, St. Paul says quite clearly, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself, mm-hmm. right? Um, so this is very, very clear to say, um, you know, if you kind of just go through the motions but don't understand that whole piece, it's not just not doing anything for you, mm-hmm. right? But you're actually, it, it might actually be detrimental. So take the time to understand, you know, why is this important for me, you know? And it's an act of faith, right? Um, it's, yeah. you know, to to understand that you are in, uh, not you, that you are not in a state of, of being, I guess, where you are ready to receive Christ himself. Mm-hmm. That's not really necessarily a condemnation of of yourself, right? I, I, if anything, that's actually a very uh, good recognition that you um, again. I'm looking for a better word than this, but you respect and venerate God and Jesus um, to the point where you understand that you don't want to harm your relationship even further by by yeah. physically being in communion with Him while you're in such a terrible state. Well, it's a holy desire is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's having the holy desire for union with God. Um, and like, it's, it'd be like, it would be like showing up to a wedding in like rags. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't, mm-hmm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't like if I, if I in July when I'm getting married to Cherry, if I just showed up in my pajamas, like I would. Can you? Right? Like you... just as a social <laughs> We can come back on the uh, podcast two months right? ago. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, it's a, it's like, you know. You take the time to make sure you're prepared. You take the time to make sure you're there to properly receive, right? And, it, and it's that same deal, but even more so with God, right? So, um, so yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all of those things and more. And when you have that holy desire um, for those things, then, you know, naturally, when you're in a state of mortal sin, when you're not in a state of grace, you want to get to that state of grace. And that's a great thing to do. That's a victory, really, because you're recognizing that I'm not going to ignore what I've done, but I'm also going to reject that Satan has any hold here. I'm in a state of grace right now, or not in a state of grace right now, but I can easily be by going to reconciliation. And so tomorrow I will be, and I'll come and I'll receive the Eucharist. Exactly. So, you know, uh, I like the way that you put it in terms of holy desire, right? And I think that helps us circle back to um, your initial revelation that that opened up this that we opened up this episode with of you know recognizing that how that the Eucharist itself you know notwithstanding all the theology that we attempted to dive into today but um, just in terms of if you look at and understand the Eucharist itself how it maps to our interior life how it reflects almost our our journey of interior life because you take a you take a look at this thin wafer of bread um, again that we both mentioned. And how this 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 host um, is an imperfect being created by God, and I'm really just quoting you at this point, but it's an imperfect being created by God, and through consecration, through transubstantiation, um, it has been made holy. It, it has become the true body and, and the wine, the the true body and blood of Christ Himself, and so it's not just 
it's not just a saying, right, that the Vatican Council has thrown out for like promotional purposes or like marketing purposes or a slogan or something. This is truly the source and the summit of our faith. And, you know, when we take a look at that in parallel to how we ourselves as unholy beings, you know, initially, um, we are made in the image of God, but we are we are far from perfect, right? We are imperfect, just like the host. And so we take a look at that. We take a look at the journey that we want to be on. And we need to go through kind of our own, you know, consecration, kind of our own transubstantiation, such that yeah. our souls are holy enough and ready enough to ultimately enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Um, one last quote, uh, I think also from St. Paul, right, that really kind of talks about that whole journey is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of full, that's that's the full, that's the goal. That's where we want to be, right? Um, and, and that's it, right? It's no longer the bread that's there, but Christ that lives in the bread, right? Um, and and that, that's exactly where we're trying to go. Perfect. Um, so just in terms of, I mean, the, the actions on this are pretty, pretty simple. I think it's uh, go to Mass every week, receive the Eucharist. If you are not in a state of grace to receive the Eucharist, make sure you get to confession and receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which is an amazing thing that I'm sure we will uh, get into on an episode. Uh, I don't think that made sense. Anyway, we will get into it in an episode in the future at some point, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, Eucharist, Reconciliation, but also Adoration. I think um, recognizing that, you know, we have our Sunday obligation, obviously, to go to Mass every week. And as part of that, we will receive the Eucharist. But make time for a holy hour in your life, right? I I don't go often enough. I try to go once a month, but especially within the COVID pandemic, it's been difficult for me. Pre-COVID, pre-COVID, I've been able to make it. Have you been able to keep up going to adoration? No, not not now. Uh, I don't know of any adoration chapels in Toronto. The only, like consistent adoration chapel i know of is in oshawa which is yeah. not the closest place in the world but um I, i've been out once shout out to saint joseph the worker in oshawa um and their perpetual adoration chapel but um yeah i, I haven't been out as much as i want to um, but one sorry <laughs> yeah i know i keep i always add things in but um going to mass and receiving the eucharist is obviously you know like you said it's crucial um, but even when you're in mass when the priest holds up the bread or the wine uh for in the consecration mm-hmm. don't bow look 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 yeah look. people yeah. bow all the time but yeah. what we're talking about here that that transformation moment like i'll, I'll tell you it's like in terms of time that's when it happens is when he says the words and he lifts up the host and he lifts up the wine look at it and try and catch a glimpse of what that journey looks like. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I love that. It's actually, uh, I wouldn't categorize it as a pet peeve, but it's definitely something where, you know, when I notice other people doing it around me, I'm just like, man, like you're, you're really missing out on, on yeah. something here. And obviously like, you know, I, I know people do it out of reverence. So like that's, yeah. it's not, it's not a condemnation of them. Right. But it's a, uh, you're, there's something really beautiful and a lot, something a lot greater here. Don't don't. I think it's look. a habit that a lot of people just see other people doing it. Yeah, it's yeah, proper, yeah. But like that's not no. It's like just just look, try mm. and catch a glimpse of heaven, right? Exactly. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, I'm are you I'm sure? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll put a we'll put a bow on that um, at this point here, and uh, hopefully, you know, I think it was a great parallel to draw just uh, the Eucharist and the interior life, and mm-hmm. um, it's a beautiful thing. It is the source and the summit of our faith, and it's something that we should continue to uh, to say and to believe. 
And um, you know, as we come out of Lent, as we enter the Easter season, uh, we pray that you will carry this message uh, prayerfully in your hearts. And like Andrew said, the next time you're at Mass, make sure you look at the Eucharist as it's being held up. All right, so you will hear from us in a few weeks. Hope everyone, uh, I can't say have a blessed Lent, has a blessed Easter season. Yeah. Yeah. All right, take care, everyone. Bye.